0: Talked with uh, a sister before the service about uh, witnessing to an elderly gentleman. And that's what it's all about. We can, All we can do from the pulpit is preach God's word and help equip you for service. But the service is going to be done. It's going to be done by all of us. And reaching out to people, speaking the truth in love and loving people right where they're at, just like Jesus loved us when we were still his enemies. And so now today we're going to finish up. Before we do the Lord's Supper, we're going to finish up um, with First Thessalonians. I think we're going to finish up. We might not. It's a, it's a, but First Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 23 to 28. And so if you turn there, First Thessalonians 5, 23 to 28. And while you're turning there, we'll go to the Lord once again in prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you. And uh, and we're so grateful that you loved us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our declaring war on you, you've shown yourself to be the God of peace. and You brought peace to us by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, to reconcile us to you and so Lord we come to you today in Jesus name and through the power of the Holy Spirit to worship you right now Lord uh, we want to learn from your word but you call fallible men to proclaim your infallible truth and so I pray Lord that uh, you would cancel the man that you would anoint me and empower me by your spirit to proclaim your truth so that I would not lead anyone astray Lord, well, if, if the people want fake news, it's all over the place in this culture. But the truth is in your word, and we want that truth to be proclaimed today. Open hearts and minds, including my own, to receive your truth and to understand it and empower us to apply it to our lives so that we could be all that you called us to be and so that we could build your kingdom through your power and for your glory until your son, King Jesus takes his stand upon the earth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we got the handouts there and uh, just the closing remarks. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 28. I'm going to read that entire passage and then we'll try to break it down. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 28. Now, may the God of peace, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you apart completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And so here, verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole Spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We we want to lead people to Christ. We want to come to Christ's salvation ourselves, okay? And hopefully everybody here is saved. Hopefully we're all trusting in Jesus alone for salvation and recognizing their salvation in no one else, okay? But we want more than just to be born again and be saved. We want to grow in the Lord. We want to be set apart completely and be made blameless and be seen blameless at the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And that's a journey we're on. None of us are going to be fully perfect. Hopefully we'll surrender our outward behavior to the Lord and, and our words and our attitude, but eventually it's got to get down to the thoughts and our hearts And until Jesus comes back, we won't be perfect. But we want and long for that day when we have full sanctification, we're fully set apart, and the total presence of sin is removed from us, and God completed the work that he starts in us and will be glorified and have our resurrection bodies, our mortal bodies, will put on immortality. And so may the God of peace set us apart completely for God's will. That's why it's our job not just to lead people to Christ, but to disciple them, make disciples of all nations. And so we don't want to just lead somebody to Christ and then leave them hanging. We want to get them plugged into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. We want to disciple them. We want to come alongside and be their spiritual fathers, be their spiritual mothers. And uh, But Paul says now, may the God of peace himself sanctify or set you apart Completely, We want to be completely set apart for God's purposes. Um, and so as Paul concludes his first letter to the Thessalonians, he gives them this closing blessing and this closing charge. But he says, may the God of peace, the God of peace. And that just kind of stuck in my head. You know, I was born the first day of 1960, and if you know anything about the 1960s, some of you read about it in your history books, and, but, uh, but if you know anything about the 1960s, there you go, brother. If you know anything about the 1960s, it was a time of upheaval and the counterculture and the, the hippie movement and rebellion against authority, but it became famous for the peace sign, Okay? Now, I don't think they got it right. A lot of those people ended up getting saved into the Calvary Chapel movement, the Jesus freak movement, and things of that sort. King Jesus willing to save those who were seeking, those who were looking for the truth. But they knew something was missing. Here they were living in the most prosperous, most powerful, healthiest nation on the planet Earth, and they still knew something was missing. Now, most of them didn't find it. They looked in all the wrong places. Some of us looked look to the bottle. Some of us looked to drugs. Some of us looked to immorality. Some of us looked to fame and popularity, and we're looking for for peace in all the wrong places. But praise God that many people out of that movement that were seeking peace found peace in the God of peace. And uh, and so Paul's closing remarks here. Uh, you know, in Isaiah 9-6, we don't have time to look it up, but Isaiah 9-6 is talking about the child that's going to be born, the son that's going to be given, the government resting upon his shoulders. It's talk predicting about Jesus, the birth of Jesus, 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, but he's called the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to bring us peace. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking for peace from the United Nations. I'm not looking for peace from our government and the world leaders. Our government leaders always tell us, we're going to elect me, I'm going to give you peace. They get elected and we start a new war. We stick our nose in somebody else's business, get involved in another war. Uh, there's a guy, a news commentator, Joey something, he's a former Marine. Both his legs were blown off by a landmine and, uh, in one of the wars he was in. And so he's got two prosthetic legs, and um, and I guess uh, Lindsey Graham, a Republican senator, had this big rally in South Carolina. He brought Donald Trump there, okay. And Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, he believes war is a last resort. Make friends with your enemies. Stay out of war, okay. And uh, but this this guy, this former Marine, who's missing his legs. He, he made a comment because Lindsey Graham, who called the conference and Trump got applauded when Lindsey Graham went up to speak, everybody started booing. And that's his own state. And they are wondering, why were they booing? You know, he's a Republican like Trump. Why would they boo him? And uh, the Joey guy, the former Marine that was missing two legs, he made a comment, a comment. He said, well, speaking for myself, I'm a veteran of two wars. And my problem with Lindsey Graham is he likes war too much. we got political leaders that have never fought in combat, but at the drop of a hat, they'll go to war. Even wars that aren't even our own business and just get us involved. James Madison said any country that lives in a state of perpetual war will lose freedom within its borders. Okay? War is supposed to be a last resort. Okay? And, uh, People want peace. People long for peace. We have wars going on. I pray for the people on both sides who are being lied to. Both leaders are coming up with some just cause for their war, but it's really not true. They're lying to their people. And the governments on this planet, they're demonically controlled. I'll be honest with you. There isn't one government on this planet that is is—that is uh, fully committed or even anywhere close to being committed to God's truth. And so in a world that seeks peace, we get, we get war. But peace, the, the word in the Greek is Irene, we get our, our the name Irene from that, is Shalom in the Hebrew. And Paul was Jewish. Even though God called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles, the non Jews, he was Jewish. And the Jewish way of greeting people was Shalom. I wish peace upon you. The Greeks, they would say charis, grace. I, risk, I wish favor upon you. And Paul, as the apostle to the Gentiles, took both grace and peace, and he begins his letters with that grace and peace. And uh, uh, Galatians 5, and 23, if you want to turn there, you can, but Galatians 5, and 23, Paul tells us, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. God wants to change us from within. But one of the things we we receive, if the, if the Holy Spirit is bearing his fruit in our lives, and he wants to, we often fight him on that, but the Holy Spirit wants to bear fruit in our lives, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Okay? Um, I mean, look look at Ephesians chapter six and verse 15, Ephesians six, verse 15, part of the full armor of God. We want to have on the full armor of God when we engage in spiritual battle. Okay. We want the full armor of God on, um, But the shoes, when it comes to the full armor of God, in Ephesians 6, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, the gospel is the good news, the gospel of peace. Peace. In a world of conflict, there is a peace. There is true peace. Peace but that comes through Jesus. And so we are to be people who proclaim the good news of peace. We don't always do a good job at it. Sometimes we're very hypocritical, and we sound like we're just looking to pick fights with everybody, but we're the ones who want to bring true peace into each situation. Um, look at Romans 5.1, Paul's letter to the Romans. Chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul gets stunned talking about the fact that we're saved by God's grace alone. We can't earn salvation. None of us are good enough to earn heaven. In fact, our own righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. So we're saved by God's grace alone. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. Through faith alone, in Jesus alone. After teaching that, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified, having been declared righteous by God, having been saved by God, therefore, having been justified by faith, what do we have? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you realize it or not, from the moment you were conceived, you inherited a sin nature that goes all the way back to Adam. And because you were conceived... As a sinner, when you reach the age of accountability and you know right from wrong, it just becomes natural to do the wrong thing and to live for yourself and not for the Lord. And so we've rebelled against God. We've declared in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve declared war on God. And that's why God the Father sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to make peace, to reconcile us. To God, you know, the Lord Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead to conquer death for us. The Holy Spirit draws us, okay, but to find peace with God, it's by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. So when Paul talks about peace, one of the aspects is through God, through salvation, through the work of the Lord Jesus we have peace with God. Now, he also talks about the fact that we could have peace with man. But this peace with God first, this is the most important. You're never going to have true peace with your fellow man unless you first have peace with God. Okay? You got to love God with everything you got and then love your neighbor as yourself. By... Making peace with God through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ, once we have peace with God, it enables us and empowers us through the power of the Holy Spirit to represent the God of peace. Yahweh Shalom. The God of peace. And so we can be, like in the Sermon on the Mount, where it says, blessed are the peacemakers, okay? Now, the media wants us to to portray us as intolerant bigots. You know, the whole culture wants to sin and do all kinds of garbage that God's word says don't do. And because we say, well, you know, it's kind of none of my business what you do, but if you're asking my opinion, it is a sin, all of a sudden, we're the intolerant bigots. We're the problem. If we could just get rid of these Christians, we'll solve all the problems. In reality, we're the peacemakers, and we need to act that way. When you go to—yesterday, I went to, to Fred Myers, okay? You go to Fred Myers, you go to Walmart, you go to a restaurant, you go to the bank, you go to the post office— You're representing the God of peace. Okay? And you might not tell, that's no big deal. I believe that's a big deal. That's an infinitely big deal. Okay? A police officer comes up to you in uniform and starts talking to you. He represents the law. That's a big deal. But it's nowhere near as big of a deal as us representing the God of peace. The God of peace. there's a war going on right now for the souls of mankind. And you're either in the battle for God through his power, for his glory, or you're against him. There's no in between. If you came in here today with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, let me be honest with you. Both your feet are in the world. Okay? It's King Jesus. Jesus. King Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We represent the God of Peace when we come in contact with people, when we talk uh, with other people. You know, there's uh, times back in Jersey, there's, you get a, a little middle-aged, out of shape, Italian guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and everybody calls him sir and gets out of his way. Sometimes because that guy, he's not representing the God of peace. He's representing some, some Italian crime family, okay? But we've got to recognize, you can take organized crime, you can take gangs, you can take law enforcement, you can take politicians, okay? Somebody came in here right now representing the President of the United States, whether you like the President or don't, That'd be kind of an important thing. But when you showed up to church today, did you feel like anything big was going on? It's like, no, you know, I got up a little late, had to rush to church. Maybe I missed the first praise and worship song. It's, you know, it's it's no big deal. Are you kidding me? You're an ambassador, you represent Yahweh Shalom. The God of Peace in a world of hostility, you represent the God of peace but but let me tell you something though when you have peace with God, you can then begin to make peace with man. look at isaiah fifty two and verse seven isaiah fifty two and verse seven you know you know when Paul closes or starts a letter, it's like, man. How can I preach this, man, you know? But then you start thinking about the words and what Paul's saying. Then you start thinking, okay, uh, maybe we're not going to finish 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today. But the God of peace, that phrase, you know, Paul, you know, he's saying goodbye to them in the letter. And he says, may the God of peace set us apart completely for God's will. If it's important enough for God For Paul, inspired by God to write, to call God the God of peace, I started thinking maybe I ought to look into that. But the God of peace, being in harmony in relationships with God, with others, harmony between nations is peace, and even peace within yourself. So much of our sin is because we're at war with ourselves. We don't like the way things are going. We turn to the bottle, we turn to drugs, we turn to immorality. We're at war with ourselves and have psychological problems and emotional problems. Well, not only through Jesus can we have peace with God and peace with others, we could also have peace within ourselves. You know, sometimes you know, I, I had a mom. God bless her, but full-blooded Italian from Newark, Angelina Minichino, who married a Portuguese named Joe Fernandez, and she'd oh, she'd she'd get to yelling at me and throwing plates at me, and and um, she used to tell me over and over again, "You're going to grow up to be a failure, just like your father." And um, over and over again, I would hear that. The good thing was. My father wasn't a failure. He was the greatest man that I ever knew. Okay? Now, he wasn't rich, and that kind of disappointed my mother. Okay? Um, So I had hope there, but over and over again. So sometimes I still walk around thinking no matter what I accomplish, it's kind of like, gee, I think I could accomplish more. Maybe Maybe I'm failing here. Maybe I'm failing there. And all of us are... Or, like that. Let me tell you, if you're submitting to the Lord and doing what He's called you to do, okay, you are a powerful instrument in the hands of the God of peace, okay? So, stop being at war with yourself. Be, be all that God called you to be, and then be content and be satisfied with serving God. Now, yes, God calls us to higher ground, so we press on, okay? Yesterday, me and Pat, we recorded for the Philadelphia radio station. We recorded 65 one-minute shows, and then five 15-minute shows. So that's probably why my voice is a little gruff today. You're used to that nice, that nice angelic tone to my voice. Well, well, it ain't. It ain't today. We get, We're getting. Uh, we're getting a little, uh, a little gravelly voice today. But, um. So we press on, and we want to be all that God's called us to be, and we know we, we haven't attained to the resurrection yet. That will be when Jesus returns. There's always room to approve. But if you're being all that God's called you to be right now, you need to be comfortable within, within your own skin. Okay? So I'm not saying don't, don't be comfortable in your sin. Never be comfortable. There is no such thing as joy outside of God's will. There's no such thing as peace. Outside of God's will, but if you're in God's will and somebody says, well you're too short or you're not nobody says that to me I stand well over I stand well over five feet tall but um but you're too short you're not rich enough you're not good looking enough you're not popular enough. let me tell you if you're a child of the crucified risen king." If you're an ambassador, a representative of King Jesus, the God of peace, if you represent the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God of peace, you need to be comfortable in your own skin, and you need to recognize when you walk into this church building, you come in here to be equipped for the powerful ministry and the powerful things that God has called you to do for the next week. Okay? Um, don't, God of peace, Paul, Paul's closing his letter. He says, May the God of peace set us completely apart for God's will. The God of peace. Through Jesus, we have peace with God, but we also can then begin to have peace with man. So look at Isaiah 52 and verse 7. You now, I want to think about it. Next time you go to a store, get in the car, and when you turn on the ignition and say, I'm going to Fred Myers, yeah, I'm going to go pick up, uh, I picked up some ice cream, but I'm going to pick up some vegetables and fruit, And uh, but I am going to represent the God of peace. And maybe all you can get away with is, just say, hey, God bless you, man. Be safe. Maybe somebody will come and, and just talk to you and ask you for prayer. Maybe you get the opportunity to share your faith. But you represent the God of peace. You know, But back when they used to have wars in the ancient days, uh, people wouldn't know how the war would be going on. They'd be stressed out. They'd be freaking out. And there'd always be a watchman in the tower, and he'd be looking. Because the way they got news back then, forget about FedEx, UPS, the internet, emails. They didn't have that. They had these real skinny guys who can run for 50 miles, you know, two times a marathon. And then these guys would run to report whether the battle was going good or it was going bad. They'd report victory, but they'd also report defeat. And you could tell, the watchmen could tell by the way the guys ran, could tell by their feet whether or not things were going well. Because the watchmen who were coming saying, we won the battle and we bring good news of peace, They had happy feet. Okay? Sometimes I'm in Fred Meyers or Walmart and I don't think I got happy feet. And people can see me, Bill. Keep the laughing down there. But uh, sometimes people can see me a half a mile away and they don't think, oh, this guy, oh, I think he represents the God of peace. Now they might think, well, look at this old grumpy dude. Okay? And, um, You know, we can't always change the way we look, but we can change the way we act, the way we think, the way we speak through the power of God. we got to remind ourselves, I'm not living for me. I don't represent me. I represent the God of peace. And so these watchmen be up in the tower. This is why Paul says you have to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, always being ready to share the gospel of peace. The prophet Isaiah could say, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. I mean, I'll tell you, I could look upon mountains, and if there's somebody running down the mountain, I ain't even looking at the guy's feet. But back then, if you were waiting for word on how the war was going, you're looking at the feet of the messenger. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, says to Israel, your God reigns. Now, you might look at that verse and say, that's kind of spectacular. That was really interesting back then. But I'm telling you, if you understand what I'm saying right now, if you understand what Paul's saying by calling our God the God of peace and calling us his ambassadors, his representatives, his children, if you understand that, you see in Isaiah 52, seven, it's not just talking about them. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. We need to have beautiful feet and bring good news and proclaim peace. I don't feel like that guy when I walk into Fred Myers, but I am that guy. By the grace of God, I'll be that guy. I'll act like that guy and wish God's blessings upon people and tell them to be safe and share with them the love of Jesus and whatever little opportunity I have. And hopefully, as we plant seed, Hardened hearts will be melted through the power of the Holy Spirit and will be given opportunities to share our faith with others. But we represent the God of peace. Now, look what uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Tim- Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and 2. So, so. God is the God of peace. Through God, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son become a man who died on the cross and rose from the dead to conquer death for us. Through the Lord Jesus, we have peace with God. But that also enables us to have peace with our fellow man. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this to Timothy, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We need to pray for everybody, not just believers. We need to pray for all human beings. For kings, that means you you even pray for the president, the senators, and congressmen. You pray for all our leaders, even if you didn't like them. Even if you didn't vote for them, you pray for them. Lord knows they need the prayer. You pray for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So Paul is saying the God of peace has called you to not only have peace with him, but to pray for and to seek peace with your neighbor, to seek peace with all men. And so we should be praying that the government not be a nanny state and control every aspect of our lives, but that the government... And our leaders just protect our human rights so we can lead a quiet and peaceable life. Now, keep in mind, who's writing this? The Apostle Paul is writing this. Paul's like, man, I really want a life of peace. What are you doing today, Paul? Well, I'm going to be preaching in a synagogue (laughs) to Jews who don't believe in Jesus. Well, how do you think they're going to respond? They're probably going to beat me up. They might bounce rocks off my head. They might scourge me. It's like Paul, I thought you want a life of peace. Yeah, I want a life of peace. Okay? And this is this is where Romans twelve eighteen comes into play. Romans twelve eighteen. Romans chapter twelve. Verse 18, Paul says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So Paul will wake up in the morning and say, I represent the God of peace, and I'm going to proclaim to people how they can find peace with God through salvation in Jesus, peace with other men. I mean, this is why when, when, we, church, when we church people, when we have our little fights going on and the world's watching, we got nothing to offer the world. That's why Jesus said, "The world will know that you're my disciples when you have love for one another." Okay. And uh, but but Paul so so through Jesus we have peace with God. We can have peace with others, and then peace within ourselves. But Paul says, "If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully." With all men. So Paul wake up in the morning and say, Hey, I represent the God of peace. And I'm going to proclaim the good news of peace because I got happy feet. And I'm going to walk into that synagogue or into that marketplace to the Gentiles and I'm going to proclaim the God of peace to them. But the problem is, Paul knew not everybody wants peace. Okay? Not everybody wants peace. peace? brings wholeness and harmony it makes things the way they ought to be and a freedom from stress and if you still think you're the God of the universe that's not harmony that's distortion that's corruption of reality so we're peacemakers but we got to understand not everybody wants peace now King Jesus will bring peace to the planet Earth when he returns. Until that point, we represent the God of peace, but we recognize that not everybody's looking for peace. Then look at Psalm 119, 165. Psalm 119, verse 165. The psalmist says this, great peace have those who love your law. If you love God's word, you have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. We want to be all that God's called us to be. We want to live successful, prosperous lives in the eyes of God, not in the eyes of man. God doesn't judge you by your bank account, okay? He's looking at our spiritual bank account which, blessed are the poor in spirit. We realize we're bankrupt, and so we need to turn to Jesus, and then through the power of the Holy Spirit, God makes us spiritually rich. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. That brings that inner peace that only truly comes from God. There's a lot of people that are looking to Hindu meditation and all kinds of garbage. This is going on in the church, too, believe me. Uh, I'm telling you, look, yeah, no no Jesus, no no peace. And it works both ways. They'll have the bumper stickers, N-O, no Jesus, no peace. And then also K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace. You want peace, you turn to Jesus, but you got to recognize, if you want peace, true, lasting, eternal peace, you need to trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation, okay? But recognize that this world has declared war on Jesus. They've declared war on the God of peace. So God's word does not say you trust in Jesus and you will live a peaceful life, okay? We're getting to the days. It's, it's a return to the book of Acts. You preach Jesus, the God of peace, and you're probably going to get a few rocks bounced off your head before you spend your time on on the planet Earth, okay? And uh, so peace is harmony in relationships with God, others, nations, and self, freedom from stress and strife. It's reconciliation. We're reconciled to God through Jesus. Eventually, Jesus will reconcile everybody on the planet Earth by shepherding the nations with an iron rod it's a wholeness well-being health so when you wish peace upon somebody that's what I do when I say tell people I say god bless you and be safe i'm just wishing god's shalom god's peace upon them what i'm what i'm saying is i hope you find peace with god i hope hope you turn to the lord jesus for salvation because apart from Jesus, there is no peace. Don't expect the u n to bring peace. It's not going to bring peace. Eighty percent of the time when the old Soviet Union disagreed uh with the United States, eighty percent of the time the u n sided with the Soviet Union okay uh it's sometimes I think to be an attorney general of the u n you've got to head some kind of be part of some kind of genocide where you're slaughtered hundreds of thousands of people, and then you're qualified to be one of their quote-unquote peacemakers, okay? Um, no, man doesn't have a solution for peace. This is why uh, Daniel said in Daniel chapter 9, I believe, verse 26, even to the end, there will be war. The Bible says when people say peace is safety, then destruction will come, okay? You want peace, you got to turn to Jesus but you got to recognize in a world that hates Jesus, when you trust in Jesus for salvation, you're basically declaring war on the world because the world is at war with Jesus. But you be a peacemaker. How do you treat your enemies? You love them, you pray for them, and you speak the truth and love to them and try to lead them to Christ, the God uh, of peace. I think when, when Paul called... uh when he called God the God of peace, okay, uh, I think he was thinking, had in mind Numbers chapter 6, the priestly blessing. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. God told Moses, he said, Speak to Aaron, your brother, and his sons, the, the Jewish priest, that this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, and then he says in verses 24 to 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I think that's what Paul says when he calls God, the God of peace. Now, maybe some of you came here today hurting, struggling, whether you're a believer or non-believer. You came here and you're hurting, just the troubles of this world, and just dragging you down and you're getting stressed out. You you remember what the uh, Barry Maguire or on, there is a peace, the Prince of Peace, and he can heal your troubled mind. Let's come to him on bended knee. There is a peace, and it's found... In Jesus, and then back in first Thessalonians chapter five, Paul says, "May the God of peace set us apart completely for God's will now we're you know God wants us to be completely set apart for his will, but the the that project is not going to be done until we see Jesus face to face, okay so let the God of peace." do his work within you and change you from within. You know, I got, as I, you know, I prayed and begged God for humility because I got a problem with pride and arrogance. And, um, And I realized, man, this world is so ugly. This world is so ugly and I make it uglier still. You know, we want to we save the planet, and sometimes we look in the mirror, that's the one that needs to be changed. You know, we want to fix the world, but hey, why don't you start by allowing God to fix you? Why don't I start by allowing God to fix me? God wants the God of peace, wants to set apart Phil Fernandez completely for his will. And I know he's not done because I'm still here. Okay? If you think you're done and you've arrived, you got issues. But the God of peace desires to set you apart completely for his will. Because the, the, the God of peace brings wholeness, completeness, and wholeness is found in God's will. We try to find joy and peace Outside of God's will, there is no joy and peace outside of God's will. Now, Satan's got some pretty good counterfeits that could trick us. A lot of the counseling I used to do in the old days, where people were coming up to guys coming, how can I? I just want to know, give me a secret formula to experience true joy and true peace outside of God's will. And I've had to tell guys, dude, I don't do magic. Okay? You want joy and peace? It's in God's will. You step outside of God's will, there is no true joy. There is no true peace. And um, but uh, but wholeness is found. That true peace is found in God's will. So God desires to set us apart completely for God's will. We're going to be on that journey till the day we die. And you know, realize even when you're in heaven. If you die before Jesus comes back and your spirit goes to be with the Lord, God's still not going to have finished the work that needs to be done on you because he's still got to resurrect your body and transform that mortal body into an immortal body. So this is why Paul says that the God of peace wants to set you apart completely completely your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? When Jesus returns, you're going to change us in a twinkling of an eye. And so may the God of peace set us apart completely for God's will. Wholeness is found in God's will. May we be blameless as, as a pastor of this church, It's my prayer that we would be found blameless in all aspects at Jesus' return. And if that happens, we got to just keep moving forward. And he must increase, we must decrease. We got to love God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and strength, everything we've got. Not just part of us, but our entire spirit needs to be blameless. Our entire soul needs to be blameless. Our entire body needs needs to be blameless. The spirit, when it's talking about the non-material aspect of man called the spirit, it's talking about that aspect of man which enables us to worship God. Now, when we're spiritually dead, we worship false gods or we worship worship ourselves. God wants you to worship him in spirit and truth, John 4, 24 says. God wants you to have peace and be blameless in your entire spirit. In your soul, that's your intellect, your emotions, and your will. God wants you to be blameless in your intellect, emotions, and your will. Okay? And then God wants you to be blameless, whole, complete, have his peace in your entire body. That deals with the world of the senses. So the soul, the intellect, the emotions, and the will, the spirit, that's the religious aspect, the worship aspect, and our body, the world, the senses. God wants all of that. He may the God of peace set us apart completely for God's will, our entire soul, spirit, soul, and body. I think we're going to close with this and then we'll receive the Lord's Supper, Romans 12 and verse one. so we probably won't finish this this book till next week, but Romans 12. In verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I think we're going to read the next verse as well. But Paul's saying, your body, you got to take care of your body, but your body needs to be a living sacrifice to the Lord. Your your bodily strength, your body, you you want, even when you rest, you say, Look, I'm resting my body because I represent the God of peace. And Paul says, And do not be conformed. That means don't be outwardly conformed to the pattern of the world, but be inwardly transformed by the renewing of your mind, by studying God's word and prayer. Allow God to change you from within. If you allow your mind to be renewed, guess what? That's going to impact how you use your body and the world of the senses on the planet Earth. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so Paul, in his closing here, we've got more things to talk about next week here to finish up this book. But he says, may the God of peace Yahweh shalom. May the God of peace set us apart completely for his will. Our entire spirit, our entire soul, our entire body. Okay? Now, you might say, Well, Pastor Phil, that's a lot. Yeah. It's it's so so much a lot, it's all. God doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you, okay? Even when we work out, we should be working out, Paul says that he disciplines his body so that he can serve the Lord. Uh, When we rest, we should rest so that we can represent the king and represent the God of peace. You might say, well, Pastor Phil, that's a lot. It seems like too much. Hey, God commands us to do things that we are not able to do in our own strength. But then he provides us the power to get it done. Paul's going to talk about he who has called you. He will also bring it about. And uh, But the God of peace has called you to serve him. If you haven't trusted in Jesus alone for salvation, do it right now. Tell the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And I'm going to trust in your son Jesus alone for salvation. He died for my sins and rose from the dead to conquer sin for me. I'm going to trust in him for salvation. If you do know Jesus, okay, and you say, well, I really need to recommit my life to the Lord, you know what? God calls us to get baptized once as a believer, but he calls us to celebrate the Lord's Supper on a pretty regular basis. We get the opportunity to break the bread and to drink the fruit of the vine, remembering that Jesus' body was broken for us, And his blood was shed for us. And so we can say today, oh God of peace, use me. This world thinks Christians are fools and intolerant bigots, but we will praise the name of Jesus until he returns in glory. And one of the ways that we praise his name, we celebrate the broken bread and the fruit of the vine. And we never, ever forget God the Son did for us on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Recommit your life as we receive the Lord's Supper to the God of peace. If our ushers could pass out the elements, please.